Welcome back to The Sleep Mums, the podcast that will help you and your baby get more sleep. Not because we're going to bore you to sleep, hopefully. Although, Sarah, you do have a very soothing voice, I reckon. Why, thank you, Kat. (laughs) That was very pussycat-like as well. But by giving you the tools and the confidence to help you and your family get more kit. I'm Kat Cuby, broadcaster and writer. I've got a face for podcasts, a voice for print and grammar for the internet in it. And this is the lullaby tone, Sarah Carpenter, baby sleep expert and wooer of sleep. Together, we are the Sleep Mums. We're here because we want all parents and babies to get a better night's sleep. And I'm guessing that you're here because you want that too. We've covered a lot of the big stuff when it comes to baby sleep, but now we're going to go into a wee bit more detail. I'm sorry, I'm so gross when my kids grow up and they like hear this, they're like, oh God, mom. <laughs> In episode five, we talked about the importance of the bedtime routine. The idea that all of us, adults and babies alike, benefit from a pattern of things that happen before we go to bed, like brushing our teeth, going for a wee, reading a trashy novel. No, just me. We train our brains to know what happens next and we can do the same with our little people. In fact, sleep associations or cues are one of the most important parts of getting baby to sleep well. It tells your baby that it's time to sleep using a language that they can actually understand. So that's what we're going to look at in this episode in just five easy steps. Basically, it's the battle of the bedtime buddies. Okay, let's start at the beginning. What is a sleep association? I find I get a bit confused between sleep associations, cues, and like a lot of conversations about baby sleep in general. It kind of ties you in knots. Sleep associations are the things that you are going to use to help your baby know it's time for bed and get them ready to go into that nice deep sleep. The difference between a sleep association and a sleep cue is that the the associations are things that you can put in place, whereas the cues are what you're looking for from your baby. So you might see your baby rubbing their eyes, pulling at their ears, having a stretch. That's all your baby's sleep cues that they are getting tired and getting ready to go to bed. The associations that you then put in place, you're a little bit more in control of. Okay, so basically... Sleep cues are baby's signs that it's time to go to bed and sleep associations are your signs to baby that they're going to bed. Exactly. There are quite a lot of differences in the kinds of sleep associations. So we like we spoke about some of them in our episode about the bedtime routine and of course about naps because you kind of use them whenever baby's going to bed. But there are differences in the kinds of sleep associations and that's really what we want to talk about. So what what are different sleep associations and why are maybe some better than others so key associations that you might want to put in place would be a short feed and then a bath maybe some naked time and then a nice warm cozy towel and then into the bedroom with dimly lit lights and you would do your final feed in the darker room so they're all positive sleep associations so something like you know white noise that counts maybe there's a wee song that you always sing maybe um like I always say um sleepy time for my Rue Bear I say exactly the same thing every night uh, because I'm crazy and um but that for me that is and hopefully for for my son those are like 
sleep associations. That's me kind of trying to say, right, time to go to sleep. But there are also comforters, which it can be something that baby is more control of, would you say? Yeah, I mean, you've got control over the comforter and that you need to be able to introduce that initially. But a baby might reject a comforter. Um, I've recently worked with a family who were determined that they wanted their baby to have a dummy and they tried five different varieties and baby just did not take to the dummy at all so they then introduced a little um, square muslin and the baby loves it so the baby's in control to a point but you are as well you need to have a variety of things that you can introduce to find the one that they like talking about dummies that can also kind of tie you in knots because they can be both comforters and what you might call a prop. And we'll go into that in more detail, both about dummies and what a comforter and what a prop is later. But very briefly, I guess, a comforter is ideally something that helps baby to sleep and the other is something that can become really exhausting. Like running up and down the stairs, doing a hundred squats. These are all things that are just not <laughs> going to be sustainable. I 100% did both of those things. I like <laughs> actually think about it every time I go up and down the stairs in our house, because I have such strong memories of running, like actually running up and down those stairs with Indiana sling, trying desperately to get her to sleep. <laughs> so from experience, choose your sleep associations or your comforts wisely, because if you choose running up and down the stairs or twerking, your baby might end up being unable to sleep without you doing that. And unless you're like, I don't know, a super sprinter or a pop icon, it's going to totally kill your back. Another thing to consider as well is that although these things work when they are tiny babies, actually as they get a little bit older and get more stimulated with their surroundings, they quickly stop working. So something that you've relied on initially and, you know, is sustainable when they're wee, they will actually stop enjoying it and want to move on from that too. Let's move on to our second thing. How are comforters different? A comforter really is anything that offers your baby comfort. Now, you can obviously buy all sorts of different soft toys, animals, little blankets with animal heads on them, anything that is a safe sleep toy is absolutely fine. A blanket might become a comforter. Um, quite often we see when babies have been swaddled in a large swaddling blanket, that then transitions from being the swaddling blanket to their sleep comforter. Um, all three of mine had large muslins that they slept with. And then Emily still has her little white company cellular blanket that goes everywhere with her. So it really can be anything. But the key thing is to make sure that it's safe and safe for sleeping. I think we've had this conversation before, Kat, about the three-year-old that I looked after who had his dad's boxer shorts. I love that story. That's what I was going to say. Please tell the boxer shorts story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what episode we discussed that in, but um, have a wee listen back. It was a hilarious story about yeah. this wee soul who got very attached to his dad's Calvin's. <laughs> and you know that's totally fine and th that's the sort of thing to remember it can be anything it doesn't need to be specific it can be as long as it's safe for sleeping then it, ca it really can be anything that the baby chooses and of course uh, a dummy or a soother can also 
be a comforter. Mm-hmm. But that Definitely. is complex, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to, you know, you, you really do have to think about what you're making available to your baby because it is going to be around for a long time. A lot of people might introduce a dummy early on and take it away early on, and that's absolutely fine if that's the decision that they've made. But others will leave a dummy in place and then you have to be comfortable with the fact that, you know, you might have a toddler who's walking around with a dummy. Just think ahead a little bit to how you feel when you see other children with comforters. Yeah, I mean, a bit like the twerking or not twerking or running up and downstairs, you are in control of, of what you do. And even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes because you're like, I will literally just do anything to, to, to help my baby to sleep. But, you know, if you don't like the holy muslin that, your baby's taking a fancy to you can change it or if you don't want a thumb sucker at three or four years old try and choose something else and encourage them of course baby has their own free will and but you can kind of direct them towards things as a parent who has a child who sucks her fingers (laughs) slightly regret not directing her to something else but there we go she's happy but of course super cute when she's doing it she does look cute when she's doing it. I'm not sure she will when she's a teenager, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge <laughs> when we get to it. But yeah, so make sure it's safe for a baby. Ideally have more than one, if um, which is difficult if you're going perhaps for a specific pair of boxers. But if you go for comforters <laughs> or muslins, have a backup because they do get lost. Uh, I have one to keep, one to lose, and one to keep in a drawer for emergencies because both of my kids as well as one being a thumb a finger sucker. Uh, that sounds really rude suddenly one of my children is a finger sucker (laughs) Um, but as well as that both of them have wee blankets with those animal heads on and I have a stash of them just in case anything happens yeah good tip oh and another really good tip is if it is like a soft toy or a blanket or muslin or any of these things uh, soothers and dummies aren't very snuggly but if you sleep with that before you give it to them it makes it smell of you and that can bring them even more comfort yeah if you're feeding then have it tucked inside your feeding bra for a few days and that can really help and even if you're not just I (laughs) this is feels like it's getting a bit gross now but I actually (laughs) just I I slept with it like under my arm one night before giving it to them I'm sorry I'm so gross when my kids grow up and they're like you're this they're like oh god mom But actually, both my kids took their comforters with them when they started. Both nursery and my daughter's just started school actually took hers to school. She kept it in her bag. She didn't want other people to see, but it still mm-hmm. very much represents a piece of home to her. And I think that's an amazing thing to have given her and, and for her to, to keep. And I just, I always think about that, that that's kind of how she was feeling like way back when in her wee cot and she had her wee comforter with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's nice if you've used one of the larger blankets or um, muslins, you can just cut a little corner off for them to stick in their shorts or a little pocket when they go to school. And so nobody needs to know it's there, but they can just tuck their hand in and just get that little bit of comfort knowing that it's in there. Talking about that, actually, I guess it's also quite important that you decide how you want your baby to use that comforter. Like, is it an all day thing or is it just a bedtime thing? Absolutely. That's really, really important. Obviously, 
as a baby, you do generally tend to move the comforter down. So if you are going in the car seat, you might offer them the comforter in there and the pram, you know, it'll just move with you. But you do need to think about, do you want that baby to then start crawling and be dragging the comforter with them, start walking and be holding the comforter everywhere they go? Or do you just want to restrict it so they're only getting it when it is time to go to sleep? And when they receive that, when you hand it over to them, they know, okay, it's time for me to go to sleep. And they snuggle down with it and nod off. So that is a comforter. Let's talk about a prop. What is a prop? That's our third thing. So a sleep prop is something that the baby can't control. Either a parent has to be present or, you know, a caregiver. It can be rocking like we've said you know rocking the baby to sleep gently winding the baby until they fall asleep feeding and not rousing them before they go in their cot or any of the sort of things that we discussed before maybe sitting with a hand on their chest or letting them hold your hand all those sorts of things that involve somebody or something become a prop so t- i mean these are not bad things like these are not negative um, things it's just that you have to be aware that they require you which you know might be totally fine to you but when those those things become a habit and baby requires them every single time they go back to sleep it could end up being a lot which again isn't a problem if you're cool with it but if you are exhausted because baby's sleep cycle is between 40 and 60 minutes so you could be doing the whatever the thing is every hour during the night then that's when it maybe becomes something that you want to look at. You have to think ahead and think about, you know, if you're the only adult that can provide that prop, then it all lies on you. You're never going to get a break. Whereas if it's something that can be thrown out the cot and picked back up and put back in by anyone, then there's a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of a break for you. Often, if one parent generally tends to work away or work later, then you know, the bedtime routine especially will fall on the parent who's at home and they become, without realising it, they become the prop that the child needs. Yeah. So it is good to think about that and try where possible to change things up and not have one parent doing the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Our fourth thing then is, is a prop always bad? I mean, some people love cuddling their baby to sleep. And as we are in the no judgment parent club, that is absolutely not a bad thing. In fact, knowing from experience, it can be the best. I mean, I know what I should do, but parenting isn't always straightforward. And sometimes, sorry, Sarah, sometimes you just need to do what you need to do. So when is a prop a problem? So a prop only becomes a problem if it it's not sustainable for you Um, and that could be if it's something that only you can provide it can become really exhausting you can feel like you're not getting a break you just end up you almost end up resenting the prop that you've introduced if it becomes so addictive for the baby that you're not never getting away and exhausting for you absolutely exhausting yeah you just and you if it's a if you've introduced yourself in a way where baby is on you for every resettle then it can you can end up feeling very touched out by it as well you know you feel like you really aren't 
ever going to get that break because you're the one that has to get up every single time baby wakes up in the night or during the day you know you're the one that is there and it can even be right down to the fact that you do bedtime every night so it's not just Hello. the <laughs> not just the actual settling it's the entire routine that becomes your job and baby will only do it for you so you do need to think about these things before you start you're absolutely right these things are not always bad things but they can become exhausting and if you feel like you want to change it you can I think that's you know as ever we want to empower parents to know that they can and you are making choices um, even though it might feel like a hard thing And finally, the last thing, as and we've mentioned them briefly, but it can be a bit confusing to work out whether they're a good idea or not, and some folk have really strong opinions about them, is a dummy or a soother a comforter or a prop? And is it a good thing or a bad thing? Ah, it's everything. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It is a comforter, it is a prop. It can be good, it can be bad. If you've chosen to use a soother the the biggest sort of downside to that is that they're not as easy for baby to find by themselves in the night so you know if that dummy falls out they can't always get it back to pop it back in themselves and they equally as they get bigger they can then pull the dummy out as well so you know if used in the correct way or if used in the recommended way then they can be absolutely fantastic and what I would say around the use of a dummy is to use it for settling use it if they have excessive wind that they're unable to bring up then sometimes the sucking of a dummy can really help break that wind up and just soothe them try and avoid using it all the time you know a baby does need to be able to express themselves and their way of expressing is by crying and making a noise so you don't want to be plugging a dummy in every time they make a noise And then overnight, if you are going to use one, then try to pop it in while they're dropping off to sleep, but then gently ease it out. If they're not dropping it out of their mouth naturally by themselves, then just gently ease the dummy out so that they're not actually sleeping with it in. And then it's less likely to cause bigger problems further down the line. But any sort of comforter will generally at some point end up in their mouth, you know, whether it's a muslin or an animal head, it will get sucked on so it's the same sort of idea I remember you saying to me and I think it is so true babies are going to suck it's completely natural and that will either be you on you or it will be a dummy or it will be something else but they have a need to do so and I I have to say I find a soother was a total game changer from a wee boy he had reflux and it helped settle him and was so useful when I was trying to juggle him with a toddler But my Mm -hmm. daughter, who had tongue-tied, just couldn't or wouldn't take one. But I really, really wish she had been able to. (laughs) I maybe hadn't sucked her fingers. But um, with my son, we got rid of it at five months because he was basically doing the prop thing. He was waking regularly for me to put, put it back in and he couldn't go back to sleep without it. And I thought we'd have this massive battle by me taking it away. But he had honestly forgotten about it after two days. Like... And and in many ways, I probably find it harder because it had become a bit of a sleep prop for me. Like when I wanted him to nap and I had my toddler, I was like, oh, I'll just put the dummy in. But obviously when I decided I was going to get rid of it, couldn't do that. 
Um, but we we swapped, as I was saying earlier, we swapped the the dummy for a kind of safe baby toy blanket with the head that I slept in my armpit for a few days, and he's still very attached to it. But yeah, I think that the dummy soother question is a hard one, and people have fairly strong ideas about it. They do definitely. So it's always going to be one of those things, and you know, a lot of people during pregnancy will be very, very adamant that they're not going to use a dummy and they have real hang-ups about it or, you know, their mum might have said that they never would have used one so they feel like they can't use it and then when baby's actually here, that all goes out the window. So you do have to be open-minded with everything. There's a weird cultural component to it as well. Like some countries are like, why have you? Why does your baby not have a, have a dummy? And in the UK, we've had a really mixed relationship I think with mm-hmm. dummies and soothers and uh, uh, any of that judgment as we say with all things just 100% needs to get booted out the window definitely now very appropriately we always try and link our listener questions to the topic that we're talking about but we actually have one about dummies so now it's time for our listener question of the week and do remember if you have a question that you would like to put to Sarah and me that we can use in one of our podcasts just send us a message on our socials at the sleep mums on instagram or facebook or on our website and put listener question as the heading of your message here's this week's question it's from laura Hi Kat and Sarah, we'd like to get rid of my daughter Thea's dummy but we're really worried about what will happen when we do. Is it going to totally mess up bedtime? Thanks. Sounds like she may be juggling baby in her arms there. So no, it's not going to mess up your bedtime but you do need to be ready for it. So have a little bit of a plan in your head of how you're going to approach things. And what I would suggest is that for the week or two weeks before you're ready to get rid of the dummy, start to introduce a different sort of comforter. So it becomes an automatic, you know, dummy goes and there's already something else in place that could be, as we've been discussing, one of the little um, blankets or a small bunny or something something that has a corner or an ear or a nose or something that can be sucked on um and so just pop that in next to the baby as long as babies of an age age appropriate for that type of comforter then pop that in next to them as well so either in their hands or up next to their cheek and then when you're ready you know after a couple of weeks then you would just remove the dummy now depending on the age of the baby or child it is going to be slightly different but what I would say is you know if they are around about the sort of four to ten months then you would just be taking the dummy away and you would go to cold turkey so you can expect a little bit of grumpiness for a couple of days but that will quickly pass and they will have soon forgotten that they ever had a dummy um, as baby gets older it does take a little bit more organization and planning and you do want to just ease them off it so you know start by taking it away at nap times and having them settle in at nap times and then think about your bedtime and the main thing the best bit of advice that I can give anyone who's getting the, getting rid of the dummy is when you have made the decision that it's going cut them up and put them in the bin and make sure that you cut all of them up because if you do have a disgruntled, grumpy bedtime, your automatic reaction is going to be, I'm just going to get the dummy back. So just get rid of them all. 
you're so right. As I said, I was, it was a total sleep prop for me. I was like, no, I want the dummy back. You know, you said sort of four to 10 months. That's quite a big range. Is there an ideal age to get rid of a dummy? Our ideal age would be between four and six months. Right. Is that because they don't have sort of object permanent, babies don't really have object permanence at that point, so they won't really miss it? Yeah, it's not become an addiction at that stage. Dummy addiction. That sounds heavy. I offer a service called a dummy detox. (laughs) So it does become, you know, they, they, they definitely become more attached to it after six months. So if you can bring yourself to get rid of it before then, you're going to have a much easier process. What about when they're like much older? Because a lot of parents, you know, at that point, they still don't feel like they're getting quite enough sleep and they're like, I just can't do it yet. So if if you wait until the baby is no longer a baby and maybe they're a toddler, is the advice still the same or is it just a longer process? Or do you want to actually involve them in, in getting rid of the dummy? Exactly. You would totally involve them. So once they can understand, you know, you need to have a chat with them. There's lots of fantastic books out there that you can use. The one that I'm, I particularly love is called The Dummy Tree. And it's a lovely little story about a monster who wants to keep his dummy. But in the end, he makes the decision to get rid of it. And so it really helps children have a little bit of control over the process and be prepared to have a reward system in place because it is a big thing. You know, you are asking them to get rid of something that they've loved for a long, long time. So you do want them to see how proud you are of them for that. So have a little reward system in place, have a few good books, talk to them about it, let them decide when they're ready to a point. So, you know, if you start the discussion, it might be that they decide to get rid of it on their birthday or they decide to get rid of it at Christmas time or, you know, you can tie it in with an occasion so that there's a lot of distraction around or you can just go for it. Um, We've had parents in the past who have gone on holiday and they've just left the dummy on holiday um or there's lots of um <laughs> that's, that's exactly the time you need it <laughs> i know i know but it does work or there's lots of places that you can go that have dummy walls where you tie it to the wall and you leave it there and you say goodbye and um things like that so that's quite nice as well so yeah it's just like onto a bridge like brooklyn bridge or something exactly. in new york like exactly. some sort of yeah. romantic like long goodbye <laughs> to your dummy go back and see your dummy in a few years time yeah but no, it's just, it's involvement. You know, once they're really over the sort of 18 month mark, you really do want to be involved in them. That's fantastic. Thank you so much to Laura. I hope that helps you and your daughter. And as I said, if you have a question for the podcast, just get in touch with us online. So that's five things about sleep associations and the battle of comforters versus props. Sleep associations can be used for all sleeps, naps and bedtime. They can also be used when you're at home and many of them can be used when you're out and about or even away. As I've mentioned, doing some of the bits of my bedtime or naptime routine in the car. You can also have more than one thing. As you know, I like to cover all my bases. So my kids have had comforters, one had a dummy, the other was a finger sucker. Sounds like an awful insult, it's not. Um, They both have you and the sheeps that play white noise and tunes. My son had another white noise toy called my hummy. All of these things are like a big cuddle or a security blanket, something that tells baby it's safe to go to sleep because basically we're all just cavemen really. Thanks as always for listening. We hope it's given you a wee bit of comfort. (laughs) 
If you want more, and why would you not? Please subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on our social channels. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, on our website where you can read the transcripts for all of our pods. Look after yourselves and sleep soon.